God, all, all the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in it, God, is made by you. And all of it, God, it cries out for you. you. You are deserving of all of our worship, our adoration, our praise, our affection, our attention, our focus, our desire, our delight, our satisfaction. God, it is all worthy of you that you, God, would be our focus this morning. God, it's awesome. Again, it's, like it, our, our weeks and, and things this week are so unstable and so uncertain, so up and down. But God, we come together to remind each other and be reminded by you that you are stable, you are steadfast, you are trustworthy, you are unchanging. God, you are the rock in which we stand. We thank you, God, that while everything else is so shifting and so uncertain, Jesus, you are the rock, the solid rock in which we stand. Holy Spirit, would you be so gracious just to give us wisdom and revelation this morning so that we may know you more, that you would open up the eyes of our heart to the hope that we've been called to, the power that is for us who believe in Christ Jesus. Holy Spirit, would you lead me in the words that you put in my heart to share this morning? Oh, Jesus, that you would be high and lifted up and exalted this morning. Pray against any distraction, discouragement, lies. We command those to leave in Jesus' name. The Holy Spirit, that you would lead us into the truth and that you would lead us and reveal more of Jesus this morning. God, would you be so gracious as to point out areas that don't line up with you, your word, God, and, and give us the grace to walk in what is right and what is good. Pray this in Jesus' glorious name. Amen. Hey, grab a seat. Well, uh, my name is Britton. Hey, hi, Jared. Um, yeah, if you've uh, been around Park the past couple of weeks, um, you, you know we've been going through the Psalms. It's been interesting. The Lord has had us in a very intentional season right now, uh, a season of focusing on intimacy with Him, a season um, on resting, focusing on being rather than doing so much right now. And um, I talked about this even the other week of how weird that feels, especially if you've grown up in a Christian church culture where it's like fall time and we should be doing all these programs and all this stuff. And the Lord has told us to, to wait. Like, we have some discipleship training, some other things ready to go, but the Lord has said, nope, nope, no, 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 not yet. Because I don't, I don't want you to get caught up in doing right now. I, I want to reorient you into being, and, and remember why we're doing this. is about intimacy with the Lord. And, and so much of our walk with the Lord, when we read the Word and in prayer, we, we make it about ourselves. And so I thought maybe like two, three weeks, we'd focus on the Lord and intimacy with Him, and then we'd move on, and, and um, it's becoming pretty clear that that's, we're, we're not moving on from that, and we're focusing right now on, on who the Lord is. 
We're focusing on what it means to walk in intimacy with the Lord, and we're doing that specifically by going through the Psalms. And so we've done a number of Psalms the past couple of weeks, uh, encouraging you to read them on your own, read them with your family, read them with friends. Um, and we've been going through a number of Psalms. So this past week, we encourage you to read through Psalm 146, and that's a Psalm I want to share with you this morning. And next week, we're going to make it really easy for you, and we encourage you to go through Psalm 147 on your own. Go through 147 as a family. Go through 147 and paying attention to the things that stand out to you about who God is. And when God reveals who he is in that scripture, stop and just give him praise for it. Cool? So this morning I want to share a couple of thoughts on Psalm uh, 146. And, and I want to talk about, I want to talk more about intimacy with the Lord. Because again, like, sometimes we forget the basics and the beauty of the gospel. It is that we aren't just saved to have eternal life in heaven. John 17, 3 says, this is eternal life, that you would know the one true God and his son, Jesus Christ, whom you've sent. The beauty of the gospel is what Jesus has done for us is that we get to have a restored relationship with God, the Father, both now and into eternity. And we want to talk uh, in this season about how do we cultivate that relationship? How do we cultivate that intimacy? And I want to share a few thoughts from you from Psalm 146, specifically how unbelief and unmet expectations affect our intimacy with the Lord. So let's look at Psalm 146. Um, I'm going to read it all the way through first. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O oh my soul. I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God while I have my being. Put not your trust in princes, in the son of man in whom there is no salvation. When his breath departs, he returns to the earth. On that very day, his plans perish. Blessed is he whose help is in the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God, who made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, who keeps faith forever, who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets the prisoners free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the sojourners, and he upholds the widow and the fatherless, but the way of the wicked he brings to ruin. The Lord will reign forever. Your God, O Zion, to all generations, praise the Lord. Amen. That is awesome. You know, I love how this psalm starts like so many of them, right? Written, these, many of these psalms written by King David who experienced all kinds of ups and downs in his life. Great times where he's king and things are going smoothly. Other times where people want to kill him and he's on the run and he's hiding in caves and, and fearing for his life. Other times where he's walking what is right and good and other times where he does crazy sinful things, right? Ups and downs and all around. And, and he starts out this psalm, he's like, praise the Lord. With my whole being, with my entire being, praise the Lord. And he's saying, like, I'm going to praise the Lord every day. I'm going to praise the Lord all day. And I'm going to praise the Lord forever. And I love it because it's not dependent upon his circumstances or situations. Again, what we talked about the past number of weeks is how often when we make the Bible about ourselves, we read this stuff and we're like, yeah, I'm not feeling it today. But David reminds us, like, no, God is unchanging and he's worthy of this praise regardless of how we're feeling. But then he goes in and talks about one of our big temptations that we face. It says in verse 3, Put not your trust in princes, in a son of man in whom there is no salvation. When his breath departs, 
he returns to the earth. On that very day, his plans perish. I mean, don't we do that? How often when we're struggling, when we're going through difficult things, our temptation is to turn to someone else, or in our individualistic society, we, we turn to ourselves for salvation. We turn to ourselves to get out of the situation. We turn to ourselves for help. We turn to a substance. We turn to a relationship, right? We turn to a relationship for meaning and purpose and, and encouragement. We turn to a substance to, to numb the pain, to deal with the issues. We, we turn to ourselves to say, well, I just got to work harder. I got to try harder to get myself out of this mess. I just got to deal with this stuff on my own. So often in our lives, we turn to ourselves. Even we turn to good people, even spiritual people. Like, oh, they've got the answer for me. They've got the answer. I'm going to go to this person or that person and we're reminded by the psalmist here no, no, no do not put your trust in a prince do not put your trust in a son of man in whom there is no salvation because we are reminded by the gospel that we are not to put our trust in a prince we are to put our trust in the prince of peace we're not to put our trust in simply a prince but in the king of kings we're not simply to put our trust and our hope in a human being a a son of man, but to put our hope in the son of man. What Jesus does is he says, no, stop relying on yourself. Stop putting your trust and hope in other people because no matter what our situation or circumstances, Jesus is inviting us to himself in intimacy. But our temptation when things there's a struggle or a difficulty is to not run toward the Lord in intimacy, but to run toward somebody else. And this is what it says in verse 5. Blessed is he whose help is in the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God, who made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, who keeps faith forever. We're reminded by the psalmist that, um, yeah, blessed is the one, the one who finds hope, the one who finds help, the one who goes to the Lord in time of crisis, in the time of need. Because this one that we go to is unlike anyone else that we could go to. He's not a human that will disappoint us. So oftentimes, right, we use analogies of human relationships to uh, remind us of who God is. But even in that falls short because humans in our relationships, they, uh, they disappoint, they let us down. But what we're reminded by the psalmist here is that he is the Lord over all. He's the maker of the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. And he always fulfills his promises. But isn't that true for us to say with our mouth, but not to follow through in our actions? You think about this. How often are we tempted to say, yes, God, you keep your promises. Yes, God, you do so many amazing and unbelievable things. But what we're asked to do in the psalm here is not simply to give praise to the Lord. Like, that's what we're having you practice these past few weeks. Go to the psalm. What's it say about God? Yes, give him praise. Give him praise. Give him praise. And that may be difficult for us to do some days. But sometimes, isn't it true that it's even more difficult to not only give him praise with our words about what it says about him, but to actually live out what he's saying in that psalm? So, we are called not just to give praise with our words, but also give praise with our action. And I believe that's what belief is. So often we say, yes, I believe that to be true. We read this psalm, it's like, yeah, maybe I believe that or not. But we simply speak it without actually living into it. And what we see here, this picture that is given of the God who saves, the God who rescues, the God who restores, is an unbelievable place of freedom and joy and delight when we not only speak it with our mouth, but also we live it in our action. And go down to verse 7. Check out this picture. 
Blessed is he, I'm uh, sorry, verse 7, talking about God who executes justice for the oppressed. I mean, isn't that easy just to read through? Like, yeah, okay, he executes justice for the oppressed, blah, 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 keep moving on. Like, this is an unbelievable truth that we are invited to not only speak out and proclaim and worship the Lord for, but to live out in our lives. That if it is true that God is the one who uh, executes justice for the oppressed, that gives us unbelievable freedom because that you and I don't have to be worried about us getting retribution for those that oppress us. I know some of you this morning, you're like, yeah, 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 that's easy for the psalmist to say. But you, you think about all the things that have been done to you, the ways that you've been wronged, the way that you've been harmed, and the way that you've been oppressed. And so often we want to hold on to that in bitterness and anger and rage. And, and rather than tr- holding on to the truth of what this says, that no, God is the one who executes justice for the oppressed. And so that we can take trust in what it says. I believe it's in Romans where it says, vengeance is mine, declares the Lord. Therefore, we're free to walk, is what Jesus tells us to do, to love our enemies, to to bless those who persecute us. There's unbelievable freedom and joy when we are able to live into what, this, the, what the Lord invites us into as him being a God who executes justice for the oppressed. God also says that he's a God who gives food to the hungry. Like, if this is true about who the Lord is, then that has unbelievable uh, implications for us. That it, it says, th- th- therefore, we don't need to worry about what we're going to eat or drink or what we're going to wear because God is the one who's going to take care of that. As it says in Matthew chapter 6, sometimes we say it this morning, yeah, God's got it. God's my provider. But then we go, ah, I just got to work hard. I got to try harder. I got to make this happen on my own. Rather than saying, I can walk in unbelievable peace and come to the Lord with my need because I trust he is the one that is going to provide for me. He's the one that's going to feed me. He's the one that's going to take care of me. What, what unbelievable peace when we walk in that place. It says the, the Lord sets the prisoners free. Now this isn't, like a lot of you have spent time in jail and in prison, right? And um, it's not talking about God releasing you um, for the dumb stuff that you've done, okay? There are consequences for our decisions and consequences for our action. This is talking about like wrongly in prison or because of a, a persecution, but I think as we look at the New Testament, who God reveals, God isn't just about us physically getting released from prison um, in the sense of persecution, but God is about us in a spiritual sense being released from the things that enslave us and ensnare us. In the New Testament, it talks about we are uh, born in slavery to sin. But isn't it amazing that we can say with the mouth, yeah, God, God is the one who rescues, God is the one who redeems, God is the one who sets free. But then in our lives, we do not have faith and believe that he is the one that can actually set us free from sin because it says in Romans that we are no longer slaves to sin. Therefore, we should be people that do not walk around hopeless and going, oh, I just can't get out of this. You're right. In the flesh, you are unable to get out of your sin because you are ensnared and enslaved to it. But the beauty of the gospel, not a son of man, but the son of man has come so that we may experience life and life abundantly. Jesus says that we could come, that we have freedom, that we would be free indeed because where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. That we get to proclaim with our mouth and our lives that the God we worship is a God of freedom. Some of you are stuck in sin, and it seems helpless. Praise the Lord that it is not your effort and not your work that gets you out of slavery to sin, but the work of Jesus Christ through his death and resurrection, that the old sinful self has been put to death, and you are raised up in a new life, a life that no longer loves sin, but a life that loves righteousness. Oh, how hopeful that is. How glorious that is. 
says, the Lord opens the eyes of the blind. And man, isn't that true? Like when we came to Christ, uh, 2, Corinthians 2, uh, 2 Corinthians 4, 4 says this, like the God of this age, the enemy has blinded the eyes of the unbeliever uh, so that they cannot see Jesus for who he truly is. Like it is God's grace and God's mercy. Like on our own, we couldn't have the eyes of our hearts enlightened to see Jesus for who he truly was. But God, because he's a God of freedom, because he's a God that opens up the eyes of the blind, he's opened up our eyes to see Jesus for who he truly is. And that's not just for the point of salvation, but it says in Ephesians that the eyes of our heart would be enlightened so that we may know the hope to which he's called us to. I don't know if you ever find that, like, God, I just don't know who you are. I can't understand this. And, and I, I think we should study the word. We should study it deeply. But I will tell you this. You are not wise enough and you are not smart enough to know who God is. We are only able to know God through the revelation of the Holy Spirit. And when you stop and think about it, it is supernatural. The fact that God would open up the eyes of our heart to know who he is, that the maker of heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in it, that he would open up the eyes of our heart so when we read his word, we don't read this and be like, yep, these are simply facts about who God is, but we say this is a fact about the God of the universe who invites me into relationship with him. How hopeful that is for those of you that are in a situation where you're just like, I don't know, I don't know this about the Lord, I don't know that about the Lord, but it, it, it is hopeful because he is in the business of opening the eyes of the blind. And now it's true, it's, it's physical too. Like Jesus shows this that Jesus was not only in the business of opening spiritual eyes to people, he opened physical eyes as well. That Jesus is the one who, who gives a physical healing as well. And um, when we come to him in the midst of sickness and disease, we come with him in faith that Jesus heals not only emotionally, and phys- but he also heals physically as well. He says, the Lord lifts up those who are bowed down in verse 8. Like that gives, should give such hope for us, such peace and such joy to us because that means if that's true about who God is, that means we don't have to jockey for power or position. That means we don't have to fight to look good, to prove ourselves, to defend ourselves. That this means we can walk in humility and God is the one that will lift us up. It says the Lord loves the righteous and why this is an amazing hope and promise is because even when we sin and struggle, it, yes, he loves the righteous, but what makes us righteous is not our own work, our own effort, and our own good deeds. What makes us righteous is the good work and the deeds of Jesus Christ. So we get to have a relationship with God the Father, not because we do all these certain things, but because Jesus is the one who's paid the penalty for our sin. And Jesus is the one who walked in perfect righteousness and holiness, earned a relationship with God the Father. We receive that when we come into faith, into relationship with him. So yes, God loves the righteous, but he loves us because of Christ's righteousness. So what hope that gives, right? In the midst of struggling and battling sin. The Lord watches over the sojourners. He upholds the widow and the fatherless. Like some of you this morning, like you're legitimate sojourners. You're, you're aliens. You're refugees from around the world. And when you're in a new place, you feel like you're, you don't have a home. Some of them maybe just feel like you're homeless, but it's talking about you're not alone, that God is with you in the midst of sojourning, the midst of being a, a resident in a foreign place. He upholds the widow and the fatherless. Like, isn't that true? Like, I, I've seen this right in my own life of losing my dad to cancer a couple years back. That, in, in the midst of what seems to be just chaos and sadness and and grief, 
I watch the Lord's faithfulness and the hope that he upholds us. He is with us in the midst of those tragedies and trials. But the, way of ruin, but the way of wicked he brings to ruin. And the Lord will reign forever, your God, O Zion, to all generations. Praise the Lord. He's saying this, these promises, his kingship, his dominion, doesn't end, but it lasts forever and ever. All right, I read that and I talk about those things. And if you're like me, your response is probably this. Yeah, but... You read that, like, "Uh, okay, I mean, it says that, but I mean, like, come on, for real? I haven't seen that in my life. Or what about this time where this and this and this happened? And isn't it true that we are often, what's the proverb? I think I have this on the board. Isn't it true, even in earthly relationships, that unmet expectations affect the intimacy? Right? Some of you guys are having some relational issues with one another, or even marriages, because you have expectations of the other person that have not been met. Sometimes they're unrealistic expectations. Sometimes they're spoken or unspoken. But when there are expectations that aren't met, it causes you to go, oh, you're expecting something else. Now, what's different about the Lord is he has expectations. Sometimes we make up expectations about the Lord, and we need to go back to the Word to make sure it's true. But what he says in the Word, it is always true true but it's true what it says in proverbs chapter 13 verse 12 i think it is up there it says this hope deferred makes the heart sick but a desire fulfilled is a tree of life think about that hope deferred makes the heart sick isn't that a powerful way of saying that like when you have expectations, you're hoping for something like, again, as I talked about last week, last year being a big Cubs fan, I've been waiting my entire life for the Cubs to win, and year after year, it's hope deferred, and it's like, oh, broken hearted, right? Um, what do you say, how'd it go? Oh, let it go, yeah, it's a, I can't now, they won last year, it's fine, right? Um, but, but even on a more serious note, right, the things that you've been hoping for, healing, deliverance, a marriage to be restored. Kids to return back to the Lord. Sin to be overcome. This thing or that thing to be defeated. Isn't it true that after a while you just want to be like, maybe it just isn't true. And we have hope deferred when it's not met. It makes the heart grow sick. And I, I, I want to explain, I think, what I think it means to have the heart grow sick. If you turn to Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12 says this, Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. Now, he's talking to believers, to brothers and sisters. He says, Brothers, take care, be careful, be cautious, be on guard, be alert, watch out that none of you have an evil, unbelieving heart. Because if you let that settle in, an evil, unbelieving heart is going to lead you away from the Lord. I think that's often what happens when we have unmet expectations, when we have hope that's deferred, when we have hope in something that isn't met, it causes unbelief. Think about it in a human relationship. If, if you promise me something and it doesn't happen, I start to doubt you, doubt whether that's true about you, whether you'll come through for that in the future. And our temptation is to do the same thing with the Lord. There's all these promises, right? All these, even in 146, it doesn't even mention all these other promises and unbelievable things that are revealed about who the Lord is. 
when we read those and we don't see it true in our reality, our temptation is to let unbelief creep in. Now, I, I want to be honest. Doubt is a, I don't know, doubt's normal. Doubt isn't necessarily a good thing, but doubt, doubt's normal. It's just part of life. It's like temptation. It's, it's just going to take place. And I believe doubt is the space that comes in when there is a difference between your uh, reality and the truth of the word. Like how, how often do you have, this is what the word says, this is what the word says, this is what the word says, and, and your reality doesn't seem to match that. Doubt, I believe, is a question. You're like, wait, wait a minute. Why aren't these things matching up? What do I do about it? But if we're not careful, especially in our culture today, we can just embrace the doubt and be like, oh, doubt's great. I'm just going to have all these questions. And I think that's one of the most unfortunate things that we see even in the church today. It, it, we see it in culture all around us. is just the embracing of unbelief, the embracing of doubt. And it's true. You will have questions. But we are not to embrace the doubt. We are instead to take the doubt and take it to the Lord. There is unbelief and there is belief. And I believe it's possible to have both of them going on at the same time. Belief, faith, trust that God is who he says he is. And unbelief can exist at the same time as well. Jesus says this, or this man says it who wants his son healed and comes to Jesus. And he says, Jesus, I believe. Help my unbelief. I believe that should be our same response as well. Jesus, I believe. I want to believe the word. I know it says this, but like, ah, I have this question and this doubt and I don't get it. Help my unbelief. But even in that, we're turning away saying, I'm not embracing that. I'm turning towards you and I'm coming to your word and saying, God, this is true. I, I think so often we can be like, oh, it just, it just there's, there's so many mysteries we can't embrace. And it's true. There are so many mysteries about understanding and knowing God. But that does not mean that there aren't clear truths that are written in the word that we can stand firmly upon. This is our anchor. This is our foundation. And that when we come to this in the midst of our questioning, we say, oh, God, yes, I have these questions. What do I do? I'm coming to you, God, for the truth. I want to stand upon it. No, I'm not going to go there. Sounds good. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> go for LaCroix about now, you know. Um... I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to beat you up for having doubts. Don't, don't hear me say that. I think if I'm not careful, you'd be like, oh, I'm so terrible. I'm a rotten person for having doubts or unbelief. No, no, like, that's just going to happen. But I think the, the word gives us um, clear response to what we should do with our doubt. And I believe it's to turn away from it. That we would have the same response of like, ah, oh, I believe God, but help my un unbelief. I, I don't want to embrace this. That we'd come to the word and say, what does the word stand, say? What does the word say? Because this is revealed who the Lord is, that we would choose to stand on it. Like, I think I shared this with you before. When my dad died of cancer, right? Um, it, it rocked my world. Well, mostly because my dad wasn't around anymore. And that just is terrible, Right? But it also caused all these questions in me because I'd studied in, like, about healing and I had these beliefs about healing and I saw the Lord heal physically, like supernaturally. And all of a sudden, 
I'm believing, like, my dad's going to get healed. Like, I see this all the time. It's in his word. It's what God does, and it doesn't happen. And all of a sudden, I'm, I'm in this place of going, wait, your word says this. Yeah, but my experience, but he died. Like, but your word says, but, God, but he died. And at the end of the day, in that space between my experience and the truth of the word of God, I had to ask the Lord to give me grace to say, God, would you give me faith? Tell me, turn away from my unbelief and give me faith to stand and say, you know, this is what your word said. I went back to the word. I studied the word. I'm like, nope, my beliefs didn't change about healing. My experience was different. And so at the end of the day, I asked the Lord for faith to stand on what the word of God said, even when my experience didn't match it. And I think Hebrews gives us some good um, um, exhortation about how to deal with our doubt and unbelief. Again, first and foremost, it's turning away. Say, God, I want, help my unbelief. God's simply saying, I, I can't do this on my own. I can't defeat the unbelief. God, help me with my unbelief. But go back to Hebrews chapter 3, and I'll read 12 again and, and then add 13. It says, take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. Then I love this, because right afterwards he gives us, what, what do we do about it to prevent us from having an evil, unbelieving heart, especially right when our uh, expectations are met. Verse 13, but, but exhort one another every day, as long as it's called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Because what happens, right, it's like when you start believing falsely about who the Lord is, you don't, start, you don't go to him for those things. You turn away to unbelieving other things. You turn away to man. You turn away to yourself. Rather than in the midst of unmet expectations, it's an invitation to come back to the Lord and to trust him even further. In the midst of hurt and pain and sorrow, the Lord is giving us an invitation to come to himself and dig deeper into the, to the intimacy and a deeper relationship. But if we don't walk in that, we're like, nah, he let me down. I'm going to turn to this or turn to that and turn to that. And those things do not deliver. And so he's saying, instead of walking in the unbelieving, belief uh, Hebrews the author of Hebrews says instead encourage exhort lift up one another every day as long as it's called today which means how often is today called today forever right so that none of you may be hearted by the deceitfulness of sin I think one of the most important things that we can do in this is I mean we can get caught up in our head right and a lot of this doubt and unbelief about who the Lord is and sometimes it's really blatant and obvious and sometimes it's really subtle and I think that's why we need one another to remind one another the truth like that that's why we encourage you like go through this psalm not just on your own go through it with your spouse and if you've never gone through the word and praying with your spouse you're like it's going to be awkward at first yeah it is so is sex the first time right oh sorry was that too much I mean it's But I tell you, it's worth it. Go through with your kids. You're like, how do I start with my kids? What if you go through this and, and you remember you know who the Lord is because when your kids come home that day, you're like, oh, this or this happened in school. You can look them in the eye and say, yes, but this is who the Lord is. But this is who God is. He's your protector. He's your provider. He's this. So often we're just quick to forget. I mean, even the Israelites, right? They get delivered out of Israel or out of Egypt. 
and, and then they wandered for 40 years in the desert. But even in that time, they saw the Lord do amazing things, provided food for them all the time. Their clothes didn't wear out, amazing stuff. And they're on the brink of entering the promised land. And most of them are like, mm, it's too difficult. The giants are too big. Like they're so quick to forget who God is and what God's done. And so often we need to remind one another of that. I mean, sometimes it's even here on a Sunday morning. If you've read something this particular week, that you would have it on the tip of your tongue, in the forefront of your brain, to look at someone and just share and remind one another, oh, let me share with you of who God has reminded me to be this week, and I want to tell you about it. That you wouldn't just do it on a Sunday morning. Maybe, hey, here's the thing. That you would... I, I try to be kind and politically correct. Um... I know it's really hard to connect here. And what you've been conditioned for if you've grown up in the church is that the church will put you in a program to try to connect you with people, but oftentimes that isn't even true connection. And honestly, it's just a lot of work to do that. We believe to, we want to equip you for the work of ministry, and one of the works of ministry is that you would meet with one another and encourage and exhort one another. And so that means we, we look to you to reach out to one another, to introduce yourselves to each other, and, and to say, hey, you want to grab coffee? Or how about this one? Hey, you want to come over and grab lunch after church? Hey, you want to come over for dinner this week? I don't know of anyone in here, maybe one or two of you, that would turn down that kind of invitation. I can't tell you how many people are sitting in this place longing, longing not to sign up for some program, but longing for you to walk over to them and say, come, hang out with my family and have dinner. Do you know how many single moms? Do you know how many widows? Only lonely people that is longing to come over and have dinner and hang out and be loved and simply be reminded together, hey, let's go through Psalm. Maybe you don't have to go through the Psalm, just remind them, oh, remind, this is who the Lord is. This is who God is. Do you know how many college students are around usually? Well, except this weekend, but you know how many college students are around? Grab two, three, four, five, eight of them. Unless they're all dudes, I'm telling you, go to Costco, but it's crazy. Um, <laughs> Yeah, like they have all kinds of craziness all the time, Adam. You know how much they love to just come over for dinner, for lunch, or going out to coffee, and simply you speaking into their lives and being remind, reminding them of who the Lord is. We've tried to make it really simple for you these past number of weeks. It's just like, here's a psalm. Go through it at the dinner table uh, when you have people over. Or even if you don't want to go through the whole thing, like what's the one verse that the Lord's laid on your heart that week? Why don't you just read it together and say, hey, what does this tell us about who the Lord is? And get everyone's input on it. And then just stop and praise the Lord for that. Because so often we quickly, quickly, quickly forget. We read about these unbelievable things about who the Lord is. And so often because we have unmet expectations, we allow doubt and unbelief to creep in. And yes, we go to the Lord individually, but how often we need to remind one another, this is who the Lord is. So here's what we want to do this morning. I want to practice. Like, oh, great, right? We've done this for a few weeks. You should be good by now. I want to do it a little bit differently this morning. I want to read um, verse 5 to the end. And I want you to pay attention, not to the thing, as we talked about in the past week, that grabs your attention, not to the thing that really sticks out to you. I want you to pay attention to which one of these things are you having the hardest time believing to be true about who God is? Which one of these is like, uh-uh, not that one. That's the one I want you to pay attention to. Okay? So I'm going to read it slowly and um, pay attention. Here's the thing. I don't don't over-spiritualize it. Just what's the one that you're having a hard time believing today? 
I'm going to pray real quick. God, would you speak to us in this? Holy Spirit, would you bring to mind, even those that don't think they can hear from you or are not going to get anything out of this, God, I pray that you would speak to them, that you remove um, just, just doubt uh, in that, God, God, and that you would speak to us, that you would show us our heart, God, where we're walking in unbelief this morning in these things. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Psalm 146. Which of these are you struggling to believe this morning? Blessed is he, is verse 5, blessed is he whose help is in the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God, who made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, who keeps faith forever. who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets the prisoners free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the sojourners. He upholds the widow and the fatherless. But the way of the wicked he brings to ruin. The Lord will reign forever, your God. O Zion, to all generations, praise the Lord. Would you Pause and just think for a minute. Which one of those grabs your attention is the one that's just hard to believe this morning? Now I'm going to invite you to do on your own is first is um, take it to the Lord on your own and just pray, God, I, I, I believe, if you do, right? Yeah, I want to believe, help, help my unbelief. Because you are not going to be able to muster and fight for belief on your own. It is from the Lord that's going to help you defeat unbelief. So just on your own, just pray, God, I want to believe this, help my unbelief. Go ahead and let you pray on your own and that in your head. Here's what I'd like you to do now is um, I want you to turn to someone next to you. Preferably, it's, I mean, somebody's going to turn to people you know, and that's cool. But I encourage you to turn to someone that um, you maybe don't know. And um, pay attention if there's anyone around you that's on their own. Like, if you don't want to participate, that's, that's cool. Just, just say so to the people around you. But make sure there's no one sitting alone. I'm not looking for big groups, maybe just two if possible. And I want you to turn to the person next to you, and I want you to tell them, this is the verse, this is the thing I'm having a hard time believing about the Lord today. And when someone tells you that, I want you to stop and just simply say, hey, remember, and then read that verse back to them. That's it. 
take what they're having a hard time believing and then remind them of what the truth is. Okay, go ahead, turn to someone and share the verse and then remind each other what's true. All right, great job. Great job. Here's what I'm going to encourage you to do now. And I'll make you a little bit more uncomfortable. I want you to turn to someone else, someone different now, and do the same thing. Like, oh, come on, right? Yeah. That may mean you need to walk across the room, maybe across the aisle. You need to move around if you need to. Find someone else and do the exact same thing with. Go ahead. All right, great job, great job. All right. Yeah, I'm going to pray. God, we thank you for these truths that you remind us of. God, we thank you that in the midst of uncertainty, unbelief, unmet expectation, doubt, like you, you're stable. And so, God, I pray that we would um, remind one another and encourage one another of who you reveal yourself to be. I thank you that it, we can stand firmly on what you say. 
We can stand firmly on the truth. We can stand firmly on the word. So thank you, God, for showing yourself, showing yourself to us. So thank you, God, for the practical ways that you met us here this morning. I pray that the things that were spoken over one another wouldn't just be nice mental uh, agreements, but God, that we would, it would go to our hearts. And we'd believe them in our hearts and say, oh, this is true. God, for my brothers and sisters here, I pray that you would help, help us with their unbelief. Thank you for the faith and belief that you've given us. God, would you help us with the unbelief where we're struggling? We thank you that you don't neglect us or walk away from us in our unbelief. We thank you that you, you say like to show grace to those who, who doubt. And, we, and, and you do that to us. You show, you show grace and you walk with us. But God, may we not sit in that, but we turn to you and take those things to you. God, um, that our doubt and our un, 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 this unmet expectation, God, what an unbelievable opportunity that you invite us to come to you for deeper intimacy. And I pray that that be true for us this week. I pray this in Jesus' glorious name. Amen. Uh, I'm going to invite the band up here. And um, as they come up to worship, um, I want to remind you, I want to read Psalm 146 over you one more time. It's just a reminder of the truth. And then we're going to stand and sing together. So listen to these words. Moran Park, may you be reminded that God is the one who made the heavens and the earth, the sea that is all that is in them. God is the one who keeps his faith forever. God is the one who executes justice for the oppressed, Moran Park. He gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets the prisoners free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the sojourners. He upholds the widow and the fatherless. But the way of the wicked he brings to ruin. The Lord will reign forever. Your God, O Zion, to all generations, praise the Lord. Amen.